Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Is This Making Sense? Dialogues in the Pursuit of Balance, Leadership, Wisdom, and Everything in Between. My name is Eric Johnson. I'm here with Seth Gray, and today we will talk about parenting. Uh, We're going to talk about raising kids, and uh, I'm totally fine with talking with you about parenting and our kids privately, but I feel very unworthy to have a public conversation about it. I, because I feel there when parenting, I have so many highs and so many lows because I don't have it all together. And you only have your experience. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, I definitely want to put a disclaimer out because, um, th- there is no one family shape or size. Uh, Seth and I happen to be from a more traditional family. Both of our parents actually are still married, which is incredible. My parents were married in 1971. So next year will be 50 years, which is just awesome. And so I have been just inordinately blessed by that and your parents are still together so our our experience is not the is not the norm but in some ways it is ideal so all that to say we are our worldview our 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 uh, viewpoint comes from this place and we understand that's not everybody's place so take what's useful to you in this time and also discard what's not because we don't have it all figured out we're just kind of having a conversation and i've only been at this 11 and a half years yeah my shoot my, my my oldest is four and a half so i have very little experience but we don't have none. And so, uh, and, and, and I think some of what we're talking about will be goals that we'll have for the entire pursuit of parenting, not just at the stage we're at now. So all that to say, we don't have it all figured out. We don't know everybody's situation, but we still thought it was worth having a conversation. Because we've seen other people ahead of us parent, parent well, have a great family. And we think there's something, there's something to that. I tell June's like, because oh, when we read books at night, every night we read a book and I was like, June, you know, there's actually no instruction manual on parenting. While there are probably a million books on how to parent, there's no real book on how to do this. Because if there, if there were, we'd all be reading it. We'd all be good at it. And so it's just interesting um, that th- there is no real guide to this. We're all just trying to figure it out. And like you said, watching other what, what other people are doing is a good, at least when you see people raising kids well, it's like, what are they doing? How can we do that same thing? And that's why I'm very grateful for my mom and dad that they they have stayed together and they've raised four kids and that it i didn't realize how great i had it with parents until i became a parent Mm -hmm. you know it and i didn't realize i probably became a better son once i had sons yeah yeah, I think one of the gifts of of being a grandparent is not only getting grandkids, but it's also getting to watch your kids go through the the uh, hell sometimes of being a parent. So I, I watch kind of my parents watch me with with my kids, and it's kind of, I, I kind of enjoy that they get to revel in my my difficulty. So when it comes to parenting and comes to my kids, when I think about the end result and the end goal, and and what is it that we are we're sending them off to do. And one of the things I think about is that I want to, and it sounds kind of weird, but because they are so blessed that Hannah and I are in a, we have a great relationship, um, financially we're in a great place. Like we, my kids have so much going for them that other kids, because I travel around the world and I see a lot of other kids and I'm always watching the other kids because their kids are very resilient no matter Mm -hmm. where you go. And I just look at my kids and how blessed they are. And one of the things that I'm constantly trying to test out is the idea of putting them through adversity. Yeah. Because they've got so much handed to them already. They're born in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. They have two parents. 
you know, they go in to the school, middle class in the middle class. They, they have food. They've never questioned where a meal would come. So they have so much going for them already that I'm tr- I'm trying to put them through adversity. Yeah. Yeah. I tell my kids like you kids live in a fairy tale. You have nothing but a bunch of people around you who know and love you constantly. And we are all the time making fun events for them. And I, I asked you this question that is like, what does it look like for my kids to have adversity? And you reminded me that my kids aren't really old enough to be, they're not in school. My June's in pre-K, so she hasn't gone to school yet. So I think school will be a place where she really gets adversity sports, where she gets to win and lose. She'll get to see adversity. But like, yeah, like you're saying, like I, I, I am concerned that they don't have enough hardship and I don't want to just introduce it for no reason. You know, I, I don't want to like start removing meals from, from June. So she knows what it's like to be hungry. But at the same time, I want her to understand hardship and that it is not all unicorns and butterflies because for for where I the way I see it is that I want them to develop a, uh, a hardworking mentality. Yeah, and a, and a lot of times you can't develop a hardworking mentality uh, and a resiliency unless you go through some adversity. So um, I'm not trying to mow every obstacle down in their path. Yeah. In fact, I'm I'm trying to let them run into the obstacle, watch them deal with it, and then if they need me to help them through that obstacle. I'll be right there with them because it's kind of weird, but I am, I, I, I can't wait for the day to watch them do their thing. Now I'm going to be heartbroken and sad when they move on, when they get married, but I'm going to be so proud of them because I'm preparing them to leave. Yeah. I don't want to hold on to them and say, well, this is the way in which I, I want you where I want you to live, what I want you to do. I want you to stay close to me. You can stay 30, you can go 30 miles away and that's it. No, no, no. If, if, if God's plan is for you to travel halfway around the world and live there, then I'm going to be so excited. So my job and the way I look at Hannah and I is that we are preparing them to push them. Yeah. So in, in that preparation, you know, you, you got to get a lot of things done. So, um, I want to talk about some of the goals. Ultimately you're, you're saying you want to prepare them to leave, to leave. Well, what does that look like? What are some of your goals for them as a kid? So I know I have some of mine. I, w- I want to hear some of yours as well. So maybe we can just so go my, through some of that. Well, my first one is, and this is Hannah and I were talking about this and that is to love Jesus and love others. Yeah. That, and <laughs> you might say, oh yeah, of course. No, that's, that's harder than it, it seems. I mean, trust me, when the siblings just just take the, the relationships that they have with their brothers and sisters and it's like, oh, this loving others is really hard, but it can only start with loving Jesus. So that's the number one goal. Yeah, uh, I love that. Um, loving others is incredibly difficult, and it, incredibly difficult, and it leads into kind of what, what my current I've got a list of goals, but I think they stem from one thing. I think kids are born, if not 100% selfish, they're born 99.9% selfish. That's all they can care about. And so I, so my, my, my primary goal is I want to journey with my kids, uh, towards a life of selflessness and that what that looks like is loving Jesus and loving others and because you can't love others well if you if you're selfish and so I think the core of what I want for my kids or at least one of the cores is to to go with them on a journey towards a life of selflessness it's not 90 percent. it's a hundred percent selfish oh my goodness I mean because I am too if I if, if I can be honest with myself I'm very I've just my mom and dad journeyed with me towards being selfless. You're not hundred so, percent selfish now. Well, no, because of great parents, exactly, but we all started that yeah, way. We all started that way. We all started that way. Um, 
one thing that Hannah and I, we, we are constantly uh, evaluating what we're doing, what our kids are doing. We're constantly just rehashing, rehashing everything. And one of the things that we do or what we've observed from my side of the family, and this is a goal that we have as a result of the environment my mom and dad created, and that is as adults, our, our goal is that all of our kids are happy for each other. I love that. That they are totally secure in celebrating their siblings. Yeah. And my mom and dad created, it's created such an environment that when we go back together for Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever it is, they, me and my brothers and sisters were totally secure in celebrating each other. I was at a birthday party the other day for a two-year-old. There was like 11 two-year-olds there. And then when we started doing presents and one of the two-year-olds realized that this party wasn't for him, he <laughs> lost his mind. <laughs> so now we have to do that, that prep talk. When we go in this meeting, it's like, when we go in this birthday party, it's like, all right, June, this is Chloe's birthday party. She's getting, all the attention is hers. We're going to celebrate her today. But it's like, it is a practice and a trained discipline to celebrate others. Oh no, birthday parties are the best way to train celebrating others. We do that. We do that even now with with our seven, nine, and eleven year old. That that it's not about us right now. Yeah, it's about them. And yeah. that's that's so that's that's just one of our uh, one of our goals is that when Hannah and I are no longer there or we're more here, that we, we are our children are happy for what their brother or sister does. Yeah, and that is a selfless act. Yeah. Um, so the next one for me is I want to partner with my kids in the discovery of who they are and who God has called them to be. Like I, I, I've talked a lot about this. I want to know who Dash is and I want to know who June is and I want to kind of figure out how they're made and help them to find their sweet spot so that they are comfortable in their own skin and they're not, again, trying to chameleon to their environment or, you know, when they get to middle school, whatever it is and whatever's popular and this, 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 that, and the other, they're not just chasing after whatever that thing is. They know they have some level of knowledge of who they are, who God has made them to be, and they're going to find their sweet spot in their environment. So that's what I really, one of my big goals for them is, is to find that. One thing that I'm constantly praying over my kids is that they would be secure in who they are. Yeah. Because so much of your confidence and um, when you go out into the world, it's the foundation is your security and who you are. And that's one thing I'm constantly praying over my kids is that they would be secure in who they are. And we need to be okay with like I, I June is not Dash and Dash is not June and Charlie is not Chase and and, and, and all like they, they are their own people. So it takes work on our part as the parents to kind of see in them what, what, what they may not already see and start to talk it through with them, but individually and not trying to make them all the same. And I'd not, I'm not going to go to my next goal, uh, just yet, but what you're saying there is, is something that I heard from, uh, Sandra Stanley. Um, she's got grown kids now. And one of the things that she said is that they'll have people come to her and say, all my kids were raised in the exact same household. And how did this person turn out this way they were all raised the right the same way and and everything and mm-hmm. and she looks at the people and she she said this from stage and it really clicked with me she said they all can't be raised the same way no and i'm paraphrasing with that but basically they're all completely different yeah and you've got to be aware of their differences and that's one of my goals is that at the end of it all my kids will be able to say, my mom and dad knew me. Mm-hmm. 
I, mm-hmm. I really want to know my children and their love language and their Enneagrams and all, all the little ticks about them. Yeah. I, I don't want it to be about me. I don't want it to be about one sibling. I want it to be individually that I, they knew that I knew them because that goes back to a struggle. And I don't know if we want to move into struggles, but this idea of work-life balance you know, as, as a, as a, a dad who's, uh, working all the time and, and the kids and everything is that I don't want a work-life balance because it's never going to happen. Everything is not going to be for me is not going to be in perfect order. But what I want is my kids to know that when dad was around, he was so intentional with them and he was, he was locked in and engaged mm-hmm. and not my dad was able to balance me with work. It's no, my dad knew me and he was engaged with, when he was there, he was engaged. He was locked in. He was intentional. Yeah. I, and I, I struggle with that though. I wrote down and I don't know how realistic this is. Uh, Cause yeah, it is a, it is a massive struggle. Um, but one of mine was, I want to give them priority over my work. I don't know what that looks like, but when it is like, you know, I could, I, I could go on this trip and maybe I am useful on this trip, but at the same time, like my, it's a lot for me to be gone on Sandy for her to have to take care of the kids. And like, I want to really, really evaluate every decision I make to see what, am I choosing the right thing? So I, I hear you saying you don't want to work life balance, but I think it's something, you know, it's, it, I don't know, whatever, however that language works, but I just want to make sure that they, they are the priority, uh, because ultimately I am working so that I can raise them, not, and so I, I have, I have to provide for them, but it's, I don't want that to take the dominance over my relationship with them so that, you know, I think it's, I, it's a I constant tension. Yeah. And it's a constant tension. So that's why I've released this idea. I mean, there are so many books out there, conferences, work-life balance, and I, I don't think it's attainable because it's, it's something is always competing for your time. And when you want to provide as much as you can for them to give them an advantage, the boost, to send them off, to set them up, to give, help them with every bit of potential that they can, th- things are not going to be in balance. Yeah. And yeah. it's just being aware of that. I think always having, a, analyzing that constantly and adjusting to see where you are and not just just being intentional with it. As long as you're intentional. I love how you, when you are home, you are full blast dad and you go, I mean, you guys stay up until like, because you often get home late, you'll, you'll let the kids stay up really late and you'll just bees with them. And I love that. And so you're, you're doing the best that you can do and that's all you can do. And with the other idea uh, or with the idea of intentionality, it's, it's that I struggle also now with being intentional with each of them equally. Yeah. And it's, I got, I'm, and you got I'm, five and I've got five Re- really right now. It's four that really understand what's going on. Um, as long as Hannah's there, cash is very happy because she's the food source. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's what I, I want to be so intentional with them and know them because each of them are going to require a different amount of time in a different way. And I just, I'm, I'm already struggling with that balance of making sure that each feel heard and given time to and because each of them can pull me in a different direction and some pulls are easier than others yeah sandy and i are are already talking about the fact this because we we want to adopt kids in the future and so there is a very real reality that dash will end up being a middle child and we've already saying what are the things that we're going to put in place that dash does not feel like a middle child or does not get does not feel forgotten anyway so we're trying to be intentional with that Okay, so moving on. Uh, one of my next ones is, this came from a book called um, Scream Free Parenting uh, by Hal Runkle, which is incredible if you're looking for a great book. Um, but he talks about how we need to respond and not react. 
So when some situation arises and there's a loud noise and there's crying and there's yelling, I'm, my goal is not to just go in there and react to it. My goal is, is to have a measured response because Hal says that when we react, we generally yell and it's, it's a thoughtless reaction. And when we yell at our kids or when we get loud or whatever else, instead of, instead of um, showing them what a parent is, you're showing them how a parent has become the child. You're lowering yourself to the child's level at that point. And so my goal, and I'm not always, I don't obviously always get this, but is in every situation to take a beat, measure it all out and have a measured response and not a ridiculous reaction. That's a great book. You gave it to me and it's helped me out a lot. Hannah is fantastic at focusing on the heart change and not the behavior and I struggle with wanting to correct the behavior, the outward, you know. You want to put a Band-Aid on it. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's like I will bend them to my will and they will sit in that chair. And Hannah, is she's the best at focusing in on the heart and saying, you know, she always brings it back to Jesus and I'm in the heat of the moment and I just, she's just the best. And she's constantly reminding me that it's about the heart. Yeah. Because we can change these outward appearances and we can get them disciplined enough to to sit still long enough or whatever it might be. But at at the end of the day, it's about a heart change. Yeah, because if you're fixing a symptom, you're not fixing the source. Sometimes as parents, we can we can overthink things and, and overcomplicate things. And that's why I'm trying to always remind myself when I'm talking to my kids, when I'm disciplining them, whatever it might, is, might be, is keep it simple. Yeah. Don't get into these long you know, monologues. Yeah. It, it needs to be simple because especially depending on their age, how, how where their brain development is, you've got to keep it really simple. Um, right now we are dealing with our kids and I guess that leads into one of the things I want to talk about is basically, uh, there's a podcast, uh, Andy Stanley's leadership podcast where he and, uh, Sandra Stanley, we're going back to her. Um, do a two-part one on parenting and one of the things they share one, first of all you should go listen to it they've got grown kids their kids are amazing they're fantastic they know way more than we knew we do so go listen to it but one of the things that sandra shares is that and this is not hers but this is a common thing in, um, among parenting or development but there are four stages in parenting when your kids are from one to five you're in the discipline stage uh, which is where i am Tr- uh, from five to twelve is training from 12 to 18 is coaching and from uh, 18 on is when you can start to be friends with them. And so being aware of the way in which you are communicating or trying to get messages across, you need to make sure that you're communicating with them in the way it, at the stage of their actual brain development, because there there's these abstract things I want to get across to June right now. And I look at her and she gets all glassy eyed. And by the end, she asks me a question about, you know, rainbows or unicorns. She wasn't listening at all because she can't. So just making sure that I'm being intentional with the way that I'm communicating. And right now it is very concrete and it's very disciplined. Uh, so that's where we're at. And so, but like you're, like you're, you're saying earlier, like we parented them all the same way. Well, if you got different kids at different ages, you got to be communicating in different ways and disciplining in different ways and whatever, wherever else. So just being mindful of that. That is something that has been, it was great to hear when I heard it because you can, you're, you, the highs that you have with parenting for me make me feel like I'm doing a great job. And it's this moment where my child and I are connecting Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's great. And you do want to connect and you do, but don't let that moment turn into you being their best friend. No, you know? And, and, and I, I don't, I I want to always safeguard that. I'm not trying to be the cool dad. I'm not trying to be the best friend. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I've got to constantly remember, I'm just trying to push them out 
<laughs> because yeah. I want them to be self-reliant. That's a big goal that we have for, for our kids is that they can be self-reliant, that they can, you know, I get a lot of joy out of them when we go to a restaurant and they order because they're, we're teaching them to look at the waiter or waitress in the eye contact, speak loudly, speak clearly, know what you want, be prepared. Like there are just these moments where I really, I, I get so much joy as seeing them self-sufficient and I can't say, oh, now we're best buddies. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you said a high point. I wanted to share a high point. Um, cause like you said, it, it can be like this mountaintop experience. So my, my son is two. He's, he's young, but he's already a pretty dang good little communicator. And the other day he, um, he was playing with these little bubbles and, and our back, our back door is open to the porch and he's playing with the bubbles and he put the bubbles down. He didn't put the lid all the way down. And he left it right in the middle of the doorway. And a couple of minutes later, I walk by and trip over and spill it. And so I'm down there cleaning it and he leans over to me. And he's got his hand on my shoulder and in my ear, he says, I'm sorry, daddy. That's my fault. Oh, like, what in the world just happened? Like all the things that had to take place for that thought. Cause he, he, he was able to realize that he had left that there. I mean, clearly I, I was the one who kicked it over and spilled it. It would by all appearances seem my fault, but he knew that he took ownership of it. And it was like, Oh my word, what just happened? And so we made sure to like massively celebrated it. Uh, cause we want, I, I think that's another thing that we try to do is like celebrate these things that are selfless to make those more important than winning any race or any other thing that is, is more tangible or more like clearly a victorious thing. Like selflessness should be this victory. And so we did that, did that, you know, celebrate really well, but within like two minutes he was over there stealing some toy from his sister. So it was like, you know, it, it was this little tiny little moment of, of, of a mountaintop, but yeah. What, what someone said it, I don't know. They're smarter than me. They do parenting things. And they said, what gets celebrated gets repeated. Yeah. So I, I totally get you with that. After that, they were that June kept saying, "Oh, I'm sorry, Daddy. It's my fault. It's my fault for for no reason." But it was like, "I'm fine with that," you know. If we're and, and still, it'll trickle down every once in a while. I hear them say, "Oh, that was my fault." And so just this idea of taking ownership of of what was yours, uh, what what you did, whether it was good or bad, especially on the bad side, was just, just awesome. I'm sorry, Daddy. Damn, my fault. <laughs> and that's going to happen more and more as they get older, if we put in the work now, because I I one of the things that I want to talk about now is. Who can I learn from? Yeah. I think it's so valuable that we are, we as Hannah and I are looking at another family, how they do things, what is it that we like, and what can we learn from them? It's okay, great. Read all the books you want. And Hannah, we read a lot of books. And every time I read a book, it's okay, this is more about my heart change than my kids' heart change. It's about me being patient. But I want to see some practical applications, someone living it out. So I'm always trying to find a family that's doing it and seems to be doing it right. Or, you know, is having some success that's ahead of me. And it's great to have people that are my age going through exactly what I'm going through. But I need to look at someone who's slightly ahead of me. I need to look at that middle school family who's got all middle schoolers and maybe one high schooler because that's right above me. And then eventually I want to look to all high school family. And then, you know, I want to constantly find someone that I can learn from. Absolutely. And I, I, you know, when I see these articles online about, oh, this, this person, uh, this mom had three daughters and they all ended up being one owns YouTube and one that's like, wow, how do they do it? I saw read these articles, which is great. But I think what you're saying is finding these people at maybe at your church or wherever you're seeing kids that are, that are excellent who's your parents? And then being bold enough to like, try and like meet up with them. Like, like, uh, we want to try and start having like dinners with people and saying, Hey, I want to see what your, even your dinner routine looks like, because you seem to have it figured out. What are some things that I can glean from you? Just so they're really trying to like cultivate relationships with people that are past you. Not just, not just viewing them from afar, but like, like invading their life a little bit. Yeah. My mom and dad, 
constantly had people over the house asking them, how are they doing it? Mm. How'd they do it? They, they, you know, and, and I saw that I'm not understanding what it was going on, but I always saw people coming in the house and, and I had, I, I even remember distinctively, uh, one lady looking at me saying, what did your mom and dad do? And I'm like, what in the world is she talking about? I'm in, I'm 15 years old and she's asking me what my mom and dad did parenting wise. I'm not mature enough to realize all that they did. And, but I saw people coming to them for advice. Yeah. So we are getting close to time. So uh, maybe we just kind of um, encapsulate what we've talked about at this point. Yeah, because we could have gone on for so much longer, but I'll just give this last takeaway uh, for, 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 for you. And that is make sure you're on the same page with your spouse. Mm-hmm. When it comes to parenting, make sure you're on the same page because Absolutely. your goals, your view, however it is, your kids will try to divide you. <laughs> because they're they're trying to divide and conquer. So make sure you and your spouse are on the same page when it comes to things r- around parenting. Yeah, I love that. That's something Sandy and I really, really uh, try to do is we are always on the same page. Even if, even if I disagree, maybe if I disagree with what Sandy's doing, which I don't usually because she's way smarter than I am, I'm still going to be on the same page, at least, at least uh, externally to our kids. They're going to get the a, a united front every way. And so I would, uh, would just reaffirm some of the stuff we've been said before, said before, but just making sure that you're communicating with the stage of life that your kids are in. Um, and then uh, one last thing that I'll share is, is admitting to your kids when you were wrong. I think there's something to that. Like sometimes I do get it wrong and our kids need to know that we aren't perfect. And so I, I guess I'd le- I would leave off of this is when you get it wrong, just say, Hey, like June, daddy was wrong. I, I didn't realize that this was a situation. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Or daddy blew up. I reacted instead of responding. And you know, that's daddy's goal is to respond and not react. I reacted. I'm so sorry. I lost, I lost my patience and I got angry. So will you forgive me? That sort of thing. I want them to, to know that we're not perfect. One line that Hannah uses and it's just, it's just so awesome. She says, she apologized. She says, I'm sorry. I need Jesus just as much as you need Jesus. Oh gosh. I love that. I love that thought from Hannah. That that's, that's great. It's just a great reminder for them that we aren't perfect and that we need Jesus just the same. It's a perfect model. Um, so I'm looking at my notes and I'm seeing yours too. We still have a lot left, but we want to honor your time. We don't want to let this thing go super long. So we're definitely going to do another one of these. Maybe we'll even get our wives involved. That'd be awesome. Cause again, they're the better parts of us. But for now, really, really hope that this made sense. We've been super encouraged by all the feedback that we have got from you. And please keep it coming. We've got a, our email address is isthismakingsense at gmail.com or if you've got Marco Polo or wherever, anywhere, any way you want to contact us, we're loving it. It is very encouraging to know that this is landing in some way. So we hope this made sense. Have a great week.